anticipation is finally over, training camp is done, and Penn State football enters week one against Wisconsin. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. This is the BWI Daily Edition. We are giving you an early preview of the game coming up on Saturday. Our Penn State expert, Greg Pickle, joining me today on the BWI Daily Edition. It's game week, Greg. How you feeling? I am pumped for game week, T. Frank. It's good to be here with you talking about Penn State, Wisconsin, and getting ready for the Nittany Lions' first trip to Madison since 2013. This is obviously one of the biggest challenges they've faced in a number of seasons in an opener, and obviously going on the road makes it even more challenging. So it's going to be an opportunity to learn a ton about this Penn State team for all the questions, for all the concerns, for all of the what feel like certainties with this team. You know, ultimately – it doesn't matter come noon Eastern time Saturday in at Camp Randall. All that goes out the window and you got to be ready to play and you have to be willing to put all of that stuff, whether it's the negative start to last year, the positive finish to last year or what have you behind you, because the Badgers do not care about any of that. And Penn yeah. State cannot let any of that slip into their minds either. They got to go out and play like the 2021 team, which to me looks very relaxed very refreshed and very ready to play football. But obviously it's one thing to do it in practice against your teammates and another to do it against an opponent who a lot of people think have a chance to obviously win the Big Ten West. We'll give you uh, some insight into what the Wisconsin Badgers are. We'll have more of that as we go throughout the week with some Badgers insiders. But the first thing I want to do is kind of give an overview of 2020 for Wisconsin because they had a really interesting 2020 and I think people take what Penn State did and they take what Wisconsin did and they don't put them in the same sort of category because Wisconsin started the season hot winning two games with 40 plus points on offense the next three weeks thanks to COVID and the next three game weeks because here's how it went they played the first week of the season mixed missed the next two played two more missed another one, then finished by playing three straight games, winning three straight, including a bowl game. So everyone feels differently about the way that Wisconsin finished the season. But in the middle, for about five, six weeks of the season, they scored exactly 20 points. So what is this Wisconsin team? That's going to be, I think, a big mystery for uh, this Saturday because what we saw last year I don't think is indicative of them one way or another because of all of that COVID disruption in their season where they had entire lines and, and lineups missing from their offense. From what you did see of them, though, Greg, from what you saw of them in 2020, what is your overall impression of what Wisconsin is as a football team? Yeah, so, I mean, I think that's a, a great point you've made. All of those points are just fantastic. You have to really kind of just throw out that 2020 season. And you know what? You have to throw Penn State's 2020 season out, too, because obviously we're going to find out whether or not it was all a fluke or not. But let's just toss out last year. It was what it was. It was obviously not ideal for anyone. Penn State clearly should be uh, credited and given major kudos for getting through the season without any stoppages or missed games or anything like that. But ultimately, a lot of the things they had to do to get to that point uh, certainly didn't help them on the field. Obviously, you know, we'll see if if that if all that stuff was the reason they were four and five or if there was more to it. So at any rate, I think you throw all that out the window and you look at this Wisconsin team. Obviously, it, it, people think that they are very good in a number of spots. I think that they, uh, you know, they want to throw the ball around a little bit, right? I mean, I think we saw that last year and even back in 2019 to an extent that it's not necessarily your same old Wisconsin Badgers who want to line up and run it down your throat 55 times. I mean, yep. they can throw the ball uh, a little bit. And so Penn State secondary, which, you know, again, they haven't settled on some 
a variety of things, be it the safety, uh, you know, publicly anyway, James Franklin says they have in private. But, you know, those things have to be uh, those guys have to be ready to go, both the starters and the reserves, because once again, once you're out there, it's not your same old Badgers. And it's going to put stress on the linebackers where Curtis Jacobs is stepping into a starting role, really, for the first time. It's going to put stress on. The defensive ends where Nick Tarburton is stepping into a starting role for pretty much the first time. So yeah. there's a lot of new guys out there. They're going to have to uh, read and react and be ready to go. And I think with this Wisconsin team, they're going to try and test you deep. They're going to try and test you. Obviously, they'll run the ball still, but it's not the same old, same old Badgers where it's just ground game, ground game, ground game. So yeah, and, I think and it's they're... a fascinating matchup. Their, their ground game in particular, too, is different than it used to be, where it was very formulaic, very classic football. They do a lot of misdirection stuff. They put a lot of stress on linebackers playing off that passing game, and that's one of the things. We'll get to the offensive line a little bit because I think everyone expects a certain thing out of Wisconsin. But from the, the quarterback position, you're right. They want to throw the ball a little bit more than they have in the past. What's your read on Grant Mertz, the uh, redshirt sophomore quarterback, I want to say, uh, and his abilities at that position? What did you see from him last year in the limited snaps we saw him? Yeah, I like him a lot. I mean, again, you know, we've watched Wisconsin for years, and it's not like they've always had stellar quarterback play. In fact, a lot of times it was almost, uh, a, you know, it made things worse as opposed to making it better. Yeah, and it was the limiting was factor for them for years. It was Correct. the thing that held them back from actually winning the Big Ten. Exactly right. I mean, they uh, everyone knew that that quarterback's best strength was turning around and handing the ball off as many times as humanly possible to try and win. So, but now you have a guy there that can throw the ball a little bit and he has some receivers that it can move a little bit. And it's again, it's it's a little bit of a different outlook than what we're used to, than what you expect from a Wisconsin team. So is that good news or bad news for Penn State? You know, I've seen a lot of people fretting over the, oh, well, Penn State's defensive line's not that deep and the linebackers are not, you know, this, that, the other thing. Well, how are they going to stop Wisconsin rushing attack? And I don't think that should be the main focus, or at least not the only focus, because they're not the same Wisconsin team everyone's used to. And so that's probably the big takeaway for me. But with Graham Mertz, yeah, I really like him, T. Frank. I liked watching him a lot last year when he was on the field. He's a talented guy. He's absolutely one of the Big Ten's better quarterbacks. Now, it's not necessarily saying a lot in a league devoid of really good quarterback play for the most part, but Penn State will have to be ready for him, no question. It's one of those situations where we've seen something of him of him, and we've liked it in flashes. And for the rest of, of the Big Ten, I mean, with Ohio State not having a quarterback we've ever seen before, obviously they all have high pedigree. It is kind of wide open of who's going to be the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I think uh, Talia Tungavaloa is in that conversation, too, at Maryland. And that should show you like how the Thanks landscape... Again. In uh, I practiced. <laughs> I practiced that one for a while because I was afraid of saying Tua's name wrong on air. Uh, and that position always dictates a lot of this this matchup between teams. the The offensive line, I think, is an interesting situation. If you've been following along, and I would I would encourage you, if you're a rival subscriber, to check out Badger Blitz. It's the it's the rival site for Wisconsin. They've done a great job of breaking down the starters on offense and defense, and giving their predictions as far as before the uh, depth chart for week one is released. So in all in, in transparency here, we're recording before that has happened. So if you're checking this out a little bit later in the week, some of the stuff that we might be talking about, there might be some new revelations. But when you look at that depth chart and the receiver position in, in specifics, that to me is a really interesting one because do they have enough speed and do they have the, enough ability to get deep on the Penn State defense? 
And a lot of that will be dictated by, as you just talked about, the defensive line. So both their tackles uh, are new to the position. Logan Bruss right. is the left tackle. He played right tackle last year, and I want to get the uh, player's name right. Uh, it was uh, Tyler Beach was the right guard last year. He's kicking out to right tackle. They both missed the start of training camp with injuries. So they're working their way back into the lineup, although they're expected to play. With that particular matchup, do you think, knowing what you know about the Penn State defensive end position, how, what's your early read on how that's going to go down? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the big question is what will Penn State's defensive line look like? And I feel like going into game day, you can feel pretty good about your starting four on Onorebiketti and Nick Tarburton at the end and presumably Derek Cangello and P.J. Mustafer inside. Obviously, Mustafer's a, a shoe-in for that, but yeah. we're just working on the assumption that Tangelo's won that starting job beside him. But I think you can feel pretty good about what you're going to get from those guys. The question is, what do you get after them? Or do you have to play those guys almost every snap because you don't feel that great about giving anybody else more than a series or two? That's the big question. I mean, yeah. we've run down the list before. In fact, I think you and I did a whole daily on the defensive line. And, yeah. you know, the picture was starting to become clear then with Smith Vilbert, with Jesse Lucchetta, with Hakeem Beeman, with, you know, Fred Hanster. I mean, there's guys that are in the mix, but it's ultimately a question of, after those front four, how long can they hold up and how many snaps can they play and how many series do you trust the other guys for? That's the big question here. And we've seen Brent Pry's willingness, and obviously Sean Spencer, I think, did this a lot more than we saw in John Scott's first year with the rotations. But there were times at big moments where they didn't mind having the second team on the field. And yeah. I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore or if it should be the case anymore. It never really made sense when they did it previously. They always wanted to, you know, the, the going rate was that they wanted to save the the starters, the first teamers. They wanted them fresh for the end of the game. Well, that's fine. But if you're on the sidelines because your team has to come back from a deficit, that what good did that do? Everyone's fresh. And at that point, they're getting extra rest. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's the key here is how long can those guys go? And what does the, the backup situation look like? How many series can you give them? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, that the depth is definitely going to be tested. And and this this Jesse Lucchetta uh, experiment to me is going to be super interesting because he could be valuable at either level in this particular game because as much as Wisconsin wants to throw the ball more than they used to, they're still Wisconsin. They still want to sure. uh, run the ball. They're, they're, uh, they're af the, their offensive line still averages over 310 pounds. Do you feel confident in that uh, defensive line to be able to control the running game and force Wisconsin into some less than advantageous situations? Because that's another thing that I think is going to be a key matchup for Penn State on uh, Saturday. Yeah, you know, I think the big thing is that, yes, I do believe. And, you know, when you depending on what you read, where you read about Wisconsin's offensive line, there's certainly I got the impression, T. Frank, that this is not and I keep going back to this, I'm, I should probably stop saying it's not the same old Wisconsin because we'll go run for 450 yards. But, you know, yeah. usually you know for sure who those five guys are on yep. Wisconsin's offensive line. And you, it's not really the case this year. There's a couple of them that are locked in, but they also have some things to figure out in terms of much like Penn State, you know, is this guard or that guard the first team guy? And are we going to play the other guy a little bit? And I think they're still working through some stuff. They had a guy, I believe, um, one of the tackles you mentioned earlier, kind of passed over another guy during camp. So, I mean, they have some shuffling there. And I think that's probably good news for Penn State because, again, as we've seen with Penn State's offensive line, 
the more shuffling you're doing in camp, that means the less time those guys have to get used to each other and gel and get that bond that we hear about so often from offensive linemen and offensive line coaches. So I do feel good about Penn State's first team being able to take on Wisconsin's offensive line. The second team, we'll just have to wait and see. And they're going to need, either way, I think Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs do a lot of cleanup work uh, yeah. in this game. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a really fair point to make. And one that with the way Wisconsin plays, Curtis Jacobs likely should be on the field quite a bit. I don't think you're going to be going to a lot of 4-2 uh, in this game. So on the other side of the ball, this is to me where it's super interesting, where maybe that Wisconsin offense isn't what you're used to, but the defense to me, just taking a quick look at it, is sort of exactly what you were expecting. <laughs> sort of exactly. Right. I like to use very specific terms here. Uh, eight of the 11 starters have four or more years of experience, including a handful of guys that came back for that sixth year, Jack Sanborn at linebacker. So they have a very experienced, mature defense. What's your read on how Penn State can match up with that defense given they're installing a new offense and they've got some young players at some key positions? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the strengths of the, uh, you know, the the defensive, back, you know, the defense, let me get my words together here. One of the strengths of the Wisconsin defense is in the defensive backfield. I mean, I think that obviously that is the key to the game, right? I mean, we don't, you know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Sean Clifford versus the back seven is yeah. going to be how this season's defined, but for most certainly how this first game is defined. So I'm most curious to see, obviously, um, we want to see what Mike Yersich's offense looks like. That's kind of the key here, right? Yep. I mean, we haven't seen it yet, and it'll be unveiled. And, you know, the, the thing that I'll be watching for is everyone can script a drive, right? So we saw that last year with, uh, Kirk Shiraka and Sean Clifford takes Penn State right down the field at Indiana and then it got a little dicey from there so what happens after that you know what happens when the chess match starts and Sean Clifford has to make a third down throw or you know avoid a, a defensive end and roll the pocket and make a throw or make the right read on an arm you know what happens in those key situations that's you yeah. know Wisconsin's defense is, like you said, it's pretty much exactly what you would expect it to be. So uh, to me, the key is just can you beat them deep? Can you use your yeah. speed? And Penn State has plenty of it. Can you use your speed to get over the top and open up things for the run game? And if Penn State can do that, they're going to have a better chance than people think to win this game. I was surprised that the line, I know we'll talk about this in a sec, but the line keeps ticking up. You know, there's some places now where it's five um, and it opened at three and a half. So yeah. that's really interesting to me. I, I I like Penn State's chances in this game. I do. I'm, but, again, I'm, I've been bullish on Sean Clifford against this Wisconsin defense and really just in general for the entire offseason. Now, there's also an element of that where seeing will definitely be believing, but, you know, we're in the opinion business. So my opinion <laughs> yeah. is that I think that, I think that he's, he's going to fix the wrongs, or most of them anyway, of last season. And that's going to yeah. start by having a very solid game against this Wisconsin defense that, Again, its strength might be in the defensive backfield. Yeah, and that is, to me, the, the biggest wild card is I think there's enough film on Mike Yersich's offense that you understand the principles of what he wants to do. But how does he adapt that to the Penn State team, and how does he adapt that to the skill position players that he has? So you may understand formationally what he wants to do. You may even understand tactically what he wants to do, but how are they deploying it and what bodies are they deploying it with? Penn State has more 
get right to it. They have more tight end talent than any time that Mike Yersich has lined up an offense on the football right. field. So what does that change about what they can do both in the run game and in that, you know, uh, that gray area on the RPOs, the play actions? Do they employ a lot of that stuff? Do they lean heavily on one area over the other? And that's, to me... I think that's going to be a defining factor of this game because if they do have to just line up and play traditional passing football or anything like that, that's where Sean Clifford has has struggled at times of if the defense gives you something you weren't prepared for, then he struggles to adjust and make the right read. I am also interested to see what Mike Yersich has been able to do with him as far as learning the game and, and fixing some of those issues. Has he, because uh, Mike Yersich has had a track record of being a quarterback developer. Has there been enough time to do those things with Sean Clifford, who t doesn't have a lot of bad habits, but he does have some, you know, habits that aren't good when it comes to the mental processing side of, of the football game. And to be going against a team that has so many veteran players when you're playing with your offense for the first time, to me, that's going to be a, a this is, this is a rough test. Uh, for for Penn State out of the box and it's super interesting I was thinking about this Greg when we saw this game on the schedule it was like 2017 and you would have said at that point having Wisconsin that early in the season you know they're going to be good but Penn State was on a completely different trajectory before right. then than it was in 2020 so I think that again part of this is conception uh, misconception about what last year was for everybody and about some things about Sean Clifford so that's part of I think What's going into the line and going into the perception, going into this game? So what are you looking at? And and you're going to have to help me out here. This is going to be good for me when we talk about uh, the line and some of the uh, some of the trends that are going on right now. You're going to give me an education in um, uh, in 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 betting and gambling. So tell me what are you looking at this game so far with uh, the point spread, and then where are you putting your money? Yeah, so, you know, Penn State opened at three and a half, so they were getting three and a half points, and I, I thought that was an interesting line. Personally, anything under two or anything, you know, three would have been okay, two and a half, two, I'm probably taking Wisconsin. Anything over three, I feel like you got to take the points with, with Penn State just to see what happens. Now we're talking about four and a half, five. I mean, I thought for sure this number would go down before kickoff, but it's creeping up slightly. And it obviously will probably get knocked back down to four and a half or four or what have you. But Penn State's catching points in this game. That's the, the main takeaway. Unless there's a major injury or something crazy happens at Wisconsin. Um, Penn State's catching points in this game. So, you know, I, I get it. Um, and it also tells me that, you know, I, I would assume Camp Randall at minimum is getting three and a half points for yeah. just home field advantage. So yeah. we're talking about a game that the odds makers see as fairly close. The betters don't seem to, or at least the ones that are, uh, getting in the action early don't seem to think that uh, there's enough points. Uh, you know, Wisconsin will probably win by a touchdown is what they're seemingly predicting. But, you know, I, I think that if Penn State goes to Camp Randall and it plays the way that it's with the energy and the, the vibe and the, the focus, I guess you could say, that it's had when we were at practice this August. Yeah. It has every chance to win this football game. It really Can I ask does. you about that and, quickly? Yeah. Because that is yep. one thing that we, we've talked about in the past of Penn State has struggled with those Midwest early kick times, the, the oh, yeah. 11 o'clock local time, the 12 o'clock noon. What has Penn State been doing uh, in training camp to try and fix that going into this game? Because that is something traditionally with James Franklin, there has been a bit of a mixed result of going over to Evanston or going over into Iowa or going to, I guess, for the first time now to Wisconsin. How have they been working with that? 
Yeah, they scrimmaged at the the start time on Saturday to get a better feel for what the pregame process will be like, obviously, getting on the field that early. Um, you know, the, you know, that's been a thing going back to, I mean, I, I can, you know, years now. It's, not, it's definitely been multiple eras of Penn State football have struggled yeah. with these early kicks. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. The other team also had to get out of bed early, also had to move up its its breakfast schedule. You know, so I've never really understood why that was the case. But, I mean, let's be honest, it's not just early starts on the road in the James Franklin era. It's road game, period, that have been True. a problem. So, Against ranked opponents, too, has been has been right. a bugaboo for James and, and the coaching staff. Correct. And so, I, you know, I would call it one of the, obviously, one of the biggest road games in the James Franklin era. And it could be the biggest road win in the James Franklin era, should they pull it off. And we'll find out soon. But yeah, I mean, I just look at, I look at everything that goes into this game. And it's just a matter of, again, if Penn State can put it all together, like we've seen in training camp, obviously, Wisconsin's probably looked just as good. That's the way these things go. But you know, I don't think there's there's a perception out there of some uh, predictions I read and picks that I read that Wisconsin has an enormous edge in this game, and I, I don't see it. I think it's mm-hmm. two fairly similar teams. Wisconsin has a slight quarterback edge. Penn State has the depth at running back to have the edge there. I think they have the edge at a couple of other spots, and so uh, I think it's a fairly even game. It's going to be fascinating to watch, and uh, I certainly think that it's going to be one of the better week one contests we see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one last question for you and the conversation about this. Uh, what is your prediction? And after that, is it close in the fourth quarter? Are they going into the fourth quarter with either team with a chance to win the game? I think so, yeah. And again, it just goes back to the fact that I I look at these two teams as pretty evenly matched. And I have a hard time seeing Penn State running away with the game. Now, what? look, if Wisconsin comes out and scores on its first drive and then we see uh, Sean Clifford go pull tricks out of the turnover bag like he did in 2020, then, yeah, the Wisconsin could run away with it. There's no yeah. doubt. But I have it Penn State 27, Wisconsin 20, T. Frank. Call me a homer like some people will. But um, I just look at it like this. It's two evenly matched teams. I think Penn State has the better offensive mind on its side of the field. I think it has more playmakers, more racers on the defensive side of the ball. And when you put those two things together, that's enough for me to think that they can go on the road here and get a win at Wisconsin and start the season off 1-0. But, you know, I know our buddy Ryan Snyder is a big big believer in the Badgers, and I completely understand every reason why. And this is not going to be an easy game. It just isn't. I mean, it's it's been called one of the hardest openers in Penn State history for a reason. But, yeah, I see this game being close into the fourth quarter if my prediction is going to turn out to be true. If not, then probably not. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I just look It at- has to be close in the fourth quarter or else they're not winning this game. They're not. I've, I've said for a while game flow is going to be a big factor for Penn State yeah. this year because – Uh, Sean Clifford has not proven that he can bring a team back consistently from a multi-touchdown deficit. So if they're having to make big moves in the fourth quarter, that is a definite advantage for Wisconsin. So I I agree with you there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it's great. I'm just glad that we're back making predictions and getting ready for game day. And it's been such a long wait to get to this point. And as you get into the later weeks of August, it just becomes a little bit, just like training camp, becomes a little bit of a grind waiting to get to this point. But it is game week, and it's very exciting, and I'm looking forward to everything that comes with it prior to kickoff. So I, my initial prediction was 24-17 uh, with Wisconsin getting the win in week one. I'm going to back that down a little bit because I, until otherwise, when Jake Ferguson is coming back for his 16th or 17th year at tight end, 
I just don't know He's that the they Robbie have Hummel of uh, of the Big Ten football at this point. Yeah, for real. And and that 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 sixth COVID year really gave him another opportunity to yeah. pad his stats on guy who's played the longest in the Big Ten. I think right. I was in college the last time, like the first time he suited up for uh, for Wisconsin. But right. as as a barometer. Their offensive weapons don't seem as threatening as what Penn State has when you look at the, the the bevy of players. Penn State is the more talented team. Can they get that talent to coalesce in the first game? And if we've seen historically, with historically talented teams, Penn State hasn't been able to do that quite out of the gate with some very mm-hmm. talented offensive coordinators. And, you know, the 2016 team is, a, is the biggest parallel to this one. So I, I, I'll go 2017. And I'll give it to the Badgers, but I'm. It's really just home field advantage. It is. It is just that veteran secondary. Uh, that's the part that I think if Sean Clifford can overcome that, then they will win this game. But it's just too much to overcome. Too many ifs to overcome for that for me. Uh, any closing thoughts on the game? Any closing thoughts on this week and what you're expecting from uh, anything coming up? No, I mean I just look at it like this. Obviously, we'll have complete coverage both here and over at bwiarivals.com. But yeah, I mean to me, T. Frank, I just want to see it. I'm ready to see it. Let's go. Let's get out on the field. Let's see what Mike Yurcich's offense looks like. Let's see what Sean Clifford looks like. The defense, so on and so forth. Let's just get to that point. And uh, whatever happens, happens. However it shakes out, it shakes out. But let's get there and let's see how it all shakes out in the end. We will have live coverage for you after the game as well, live post-game coverage here on YouTube. So subscribe to the BWI Daily Edition wherever you get your podcasts and to YouTube so you can have live reaction, live analysis here on YouTube for the Blue White Illustrated BWI Live. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. He's Greg Pickle. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.